0: Hi there, MNBC family. It's good to be with you today for our midweek sermon recap. We try to do this each and every week. Hopefully it's helpful to you. I know it's helpful to us just to be able to go over it again and talk about it as a pastoral staff. And So we have all of us here this morning. We've been in Ephesians for a while. This week we're in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning, well, in verse 17, but only part of verse 17 and I did read it this uh, Sunday. I really needed to make sure that I read it. I was afraid I wasn't <laughs> wasn't going to honestly, uh, because it's very small, right? And take the helmet of salvation. Paul's been going through body of armor, and now he gets to the to the helmet of salvation. Uh, it is noticeable that everything has been defensive. All the armor so far is for defense. Uh, and I'm very interested, I don't want to uh, steal time, I guess, too much from this sermon, but I, I'm very interested this week to study the sword, because we often think of that as a a weapon and maybe something offensive, but I don't think that's what's going to come from it uh, in my studying. Uh, and just in thinking about it, uh, because you think about other verses, This again, this is just looking ahead, this is extra. We're giving you extra here, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. (laughs) So generous. Yeah. (laughs) But when you think about the scripture verses that deal with uh, God's word being a sword, cutting to the marrow, right? We think about that. We think about uh, even in Isaiah, it talks about, uh, I think it's Isaiah saying uh, he was given a tongue that's like a sword, the words that he's speaking. It's never to be offensive in a way of like going and crushing and killing it's always to convict people of sin but to bring them to you into the family of god that's what the word of god is for to convict so that they would so that we would repent and so i think a lot of times we want to think of us taking that sword and taking satan and like cutting his head off i don't do that christ is the one who does that and so i'm just interested in studying this more uh and being able to preach on this of of you know of of looking at particularly God's word as a sword, but I'm going to guess it's not necessarily an offensive weapon. Mm. Like I'm going on the charge here. Uh, but it's more, it's what it's the tool that we've been given to be able to share the gospel with people, to share the word of God with people and trust that God will use it in that way to convict them to repent of, of their sin. I don't know, just, again, I haven't put much study into it yet, very little, but. I'm looking forward to doing that. So that will be the rest of verse 17. Uh, this week we looked at the first part of verse 17, uh, the helmet of salvation. So guys, what do you think of salvation? You pro-salvation?
1: It's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we're, we're pro-salvation, not pro-condemnation. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Yes. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What would you say God is? Is God pro-salvation, pro-condemnation? Spencer?
1: <laughs> well, I'm just wondering he's, he's uh, <laughs> you brought these terms up yeah yeah no his his disposition is he does not take joy in the death of a sinner. He tells us that in the Old Testament mm-hmm. yes so um, uh, he is um, he offers his salvation. Jesus offers himself to yeah. everyone who hears the gospel of the word but if you reject um, God and the offer, then all you have chosen is condemnation yeah. and, and god will be glorified though in the condemnation in the 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 righteous justice yeah. being manifested in that just as he was showed his glory and showing his justice in the cross mm-hmm. um as, as well so uh yeah well it tells us in timothy as well
0: you guys remember which one first timothy second timothy i'm trying to think off the top of my head that god desires for all men to be saved yeah mm-hmm. right that mm-hmm. backs up yeah. one that timothy up two two yeah two four maybe
1: yeah somewhere yeah. in the top yeah um
0: Anyways, uh, yeah. So looking at salvation this week, Mm -hmm. um, one might wonder, you know, why does Paul separate all this? I mean, he's talked about um, truth. He's talked about righteousness. He's talked about the gospel, faith, salvation, and then we're coming up on the word of God. Mm. Now, a lot of those seem to mend together, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree with that?
2: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of overlap. Yeah. Parallel.
0: And I'm sure some would say, you talked about the gospel a couple weeks ago. Now you're talking about salvation. Isn't that the gospel of salvation? And the answer is actually yes, that's true. It is the gospel of salvation. But we do want to talk about these terms because the gospel, meaning good news, bringing this good news, Salvation is available and is there, and it's something that we have. And like we talked about with the gospel, we put it on our feet—maybe one to stand on firm ground, or two. Some interpretations were to go and now to to share the good news of the gospel. But Paul says you take this helmet of salvation and you put it you put it on your on your head. And there's this idea of protection on the most vital part of your body, which is your head. Right? It's what houses your brain. And what keeps you going. And so on our head is this salvation. And I'll go a little backwards in what we normally do. Uh, normally we would define salvation, which I'm sure we'll do at some point. But there's two common thoughts to this on the role of the Christian's helmet, of what is the purpose for it. Why does Paul specifically say that the that salvation is a, like a helmet? And one references back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 8-11, through 11, where Paul says this again about Putting on uh, your helmet, salvation of hope, and so he had, he adds the of hope, and so there's this idea that what we have on our head is our hope, our steadfast hope that keeps us completely secure, uh, knowing who we are in Christ and what He has done, and so it's it's the complete protection that no matter what Satan does, he cannot take this this salvation away from us, and and so. think it was one of the writers I don't believe it was me that came up with this but talked about this as a future reality and and so when we're when we're wrestling when we're battling against Satan and his tactics what we have in our head is a hope that's completely secure and so as the battle is going on sadly our shield of faith doesn't block everything Um, we don't always do what we need to be doing and so we we struggle, and and the fact of the matter is, if if Christ doesn't return, all of us are going to die. We're we're all going to die, uh, and so in a way, it seems as if in that it's like, well, Satan has won. I've died. My sin leads to death, and here I have here I have died. But having this over our head of salvation again is this hope of even in death, though. There's hope in the Lord, as Paul would say, being absent from this body is presence with the Lord. And that's a that's a future reality that us as Christians are looking are looking forward to and that we we have our hope in. And we sing songs about that. We talk about that at funerals of fellow believers. And we take joy and we have peace in that. But hopefully what it does too is as we battle now today with different sin in our life or whatever it might be, sufferings <coughs> Where our head needs to be. It's very specific that this is on your head. And so you have to start thinking about your mind and thinking and knowledge. What we should have in our head is that there is a future reality and our hope is lined in that. And so that's the first way of thinking about that. The second way, I'll I'll say the second way real quick, I know I'm talking a lot and then we can kind of talk about them both together, is... Again, going back to the head and that Paul is showing us that it's very important for the Christian to have a head knowledge of what salvation is and what it means for us. And that that actually is what helps hold on to our security, you know, of like, I know these promises. I know who he is. I know what he has done for me. The gospel isn't just good news that's out there. It's actually been good news for me because he has saved me and so i rest in that as i fight and as i battle and, and our minds need to be on that and it's amazing how the bible over and over and over again talks about it, talks about the christian faith as being a faith of thinking right even from the very beginning over in deuteronomy remember what the israelites are charged to do teach these things to your children write them on the doorpost why so that they know they need to know it's not just a feeling it's not just, it's 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 a it's a knowledge that we can get that we can obtain that God gives us even and so it i read in the gospel of john john chapter 20 verse 30 through 31 not quoting it exactly but basically what john writes there is he says i've wrote this whole book why so that you can know so that you can know him know jesus he wants us to know these things luke writing in great detail in his book his gospel gospel of luke but also in acts great detail there. Why do we need to know who the emperor was or who the governors were of this land? Paul's doing that on purpose or Luke's doing that on purpose to say this is a historical event I want you to know these things cement it down as as truth of what I'm writing here and so there's this head knowledge that we need to have of our of our faith and, and that helps us in understanding who we are in Christ and I made a point in I really wanted to say it in a way that's not bragging. I'm I'm not trying to brag, and that's why I want to see if you guys maybe have experienced this in your life some, but I have seen the truth of God's word play out in my life and to help me grow to where things of the past, which probably rattled me at times to make me even doubt my faith or, I don't know, even cause great anxiety or whatever it might be in my life. I have seen getting to know God better, to know him more through his word, understanding the Bible as a whole, where things play, all these, all this stuff that we're encouraged to do, as God has allowed me to do that and to understand more, I have actually seen his word work to where those battles do get easier, where things that used to crush me, now I can brush off. Like, no, no, no. You're not going to tease, tease me of this this time, Satan. I've already battled that. I've fought that. I've got through that. God has grown me. And I know that can sound kind of bragging, but I didn't want it to be that way. I meant it as, this actually is true and how it worked. Have you guys in your life seen that at all play out to where as you've got to understand God more? And I couldn't give you a date. You know, like, oh, it was five years ago. It just clicked, and bam, it all went <laughs> away. No, yeah. um, But have you guys seen that in your walk with the Lord
3: uh, as well? You get, you're shaking your head yes, but the <laughs> people when, listen. When you were explaining that, I've, I was really resonating with what you were saying. A lot because, again, I don't want to prop myself up as like this super mature whatever, but I've at times wondered when, you know, I'm talking with a person, not even in a pastoral setting or a counseling or whatever like that, but they're just talking about how worried they are about something or stressed out they are about something. I just think to myself, like, don't you know? Or like, don't you remember like what God's word says? Um, You have no need to be worried about this and that's the, kind of what comes <clears throat> to my mind at times <clears throat> in situations like that and i've i mean there's certain things that don't really stress me out very much um mm-hmm. but because of what i feel like i i know mm-hmm. and yeah I, I found myself in situations like that before mm-hmm. too so i was resonating with what you were saying yeah
2: i th- i feel like for me it's it's kind of <clears throat> like it grounds you, you know, and so like like my early, my early days of, you know, being a follower of Christ, I feel like it was more ups and downs, you know. It's like you read something and you're like, oh, this is great, you know, po- possibly be- or probably because I didn't grow up, you know, in the church, and so it was, everything was new. And then as you get older and you mature, you, it kind of levels out. But that leveling out is good because it's not as, at least for me, it's not as so up and down. So like a trial comes, you know, like this unexpected, like a curveball. You know, you're standing at a home plate. You think a fastball is going to come and there's a curveball. And you're like, hmm, I didn't expect that. A couple years or years ago, it had been like, oh, you know, devastating. Now it's kind of like you kind of just roll with the punches. You know, I feel like God's word has grounded me. And it's kind of like what James talked about. You're not a wave tossed back to and fro. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that can happen. But, um, yeah, I resonated with that. I, I thought of the 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 hymn, how firm a foundation, you know, that we stand on the word of God. And it really helps us when those storms hit. And I think the more you get into the word, the more you you practice, as James says, you do what it says, the more grounded you become. You know, it's that principle. So
0: yeah, I think another way to think about it too, not just with anxiety and worry, but I can think back in my life to where sin in my life has caused me to be angry. Mm-hmm. And then that has an impact on everybody around me because I'm just angry, you know, and every little thing can set me off for whatever, but God and his goodness has shown me that. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen anymore. It still does, but usually it doesn't last for months (laughs) anymore. It might be days or, or something where it's, you know, through his word, he helps me remember this is what's going on, you know, and, and you just see that growth and where I don't suffer with being angry. All the time, like I used to be, like just any little thing, just frustrated, you know. And, um, but that's that's from knowing him more. It's not just from like coming to church and sensing him and feeling him or just declaring out loud, Satan, get away from me. And that's work. Nothing like that. It's, it's understanding how God's word all fits together, you know, understanding who he is. Understanding the attributes of God and then how those apply to my life or understanding something as simple as what Paul says here, what is salvation? What has happened in salvation? What has taken place? And really trying to be nitpicky about the gospel. What it what is it? You know, and and when you start to learn who I was before Christ and unpack everything that goes with that. And I'm not just talking about like me specifically and my specific sense, I'm just saying. What, what, uh, Paul lays out in Romans one, two, and three, I am a sinner. I am separated from God. And You start to get the gravity of what that means. And then you realize what God then has done for me, mm-hmm. right? And you see this plan all along and how the old Testament is being shaped and forming and speaking and the major prophets and the minor prophets. And then you get into the new Testament. You see Jesus has come and what he did and all these things, and there's a lot there. It's a lot of learning. But as you start to grasp it, as God helps you to understand that and to know his goodness to you more and more, you start to find more of the worries of this world to vanish away. You. It's not that you don't notice them. It's just you now have a Christian mindset towards them. And so then uh, what chapter is it in Matthew? Is it like Matthew 17? Is it the birds and the sparrows are worth this much? If the Lord does the lilies of the field and takes care of those and how beautiful they are arrayed. Don't you, do you know? Yeah, I where, think that may
1: be Matthew six. Is it? Yeah, oh, it's, it's in the sermon on the mountain. Yeah. Yeah, I I it is. Oh, oh. oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> um, Even Solomon was not arrayed. Arrayed. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: You start to think about those things, I think, and understand better of what it means for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I realized, cause in my life before, like when I was younger, in my faith, I would look at verses like that and say, "That's I am, I am not arrayed like Solomon. I can tell you that I'm not getting this. So what's wrong with me? Well, I had a lack of understanding of really what has taken place in my life and salvation. what the gospel has done for me, and it's like, man, he, he actually. I mean, the blessings in that are just astounding. To think of what he has done for me, and it just changes the way you view everything, everything, and. That's why we're encouraged, I think, in his word to to be in it. That's why, you know, for the youth, probably get sick of hearing Pastor Scott say, You guys should read your Bible every day. They think he's being a taskmaster and giving them homework. And it's like, no, we're trying to help you to know where life is found. And it's found in these pages to grasp everything that's going on, all the craziness that is happening in this world. There are answers to it. And they're found in this book that you have probably given to you for free, you know, by somebody. You have it there, mm-hmm. and you need to be reading it and to know it and to mm-hmm. understand it. Mm-hmm. And so that's really important, and that's where Paul's kind of at, I think, with the helmet of salvation, is really focusing on us having that Christian mindset uh, as we go about our daily business, our our daily work. And like I said, it falls into. It falls into all different venues and all different areas. So a good one that we've talked about, we've talked about this a little bit, is uh, vocation. So let's talk about that real quick. I know I'm putting you guys on the spot, but I think you guys are able to do this. No problem. I'm putting myself on the spot too if it makes you feel any better. How does having a Christian mindset when it comes to your particular vocation matter and make a difference?
1: Well, I think right away the first thing that happens is is you have to have a proper understanding of the gospel because once you realize um, that salvation consists in not what I ought to do or do do or have not done, but in the gospel narratives of what Jesus has done and did do and has finished, well, then my acceptance with God is no longer based upon anything I do. So therefore, whenever I go about my vocation, I am not—I am no longer trying to buy God's love by what I do. So actually, what the gospel does—a proper understanding of the gospel—sets us free from using our vocation and our good works in order to buy God's love. Instead, um, our good works are meant to be given away to our neighbor in love, because we're now set free. Because we are—we we. are we're set free from trying to, to meet the standard anymore so now we can just give ourselves away to our neighbor mm-hmm. in active love luther will say that we live when the, the the christian no longer lives in himself he lives by faith in god and in love to in his neighbor mm-hmm. so he lives uh, so the christian no longer even lives inside of himself anymore he lives in God, and he lives in others by the good works that he does to others. So, you view now your vocation, regardless of whatever it is, they're all spiritually equal in God's sight, as long as you're not sinning. And obviously, you know there are certain vo- there are certain I should say occupations that people have that are not legitimate vocations because you're you're required to sin automatically in those. But you can be a, a baker, a plumber, um, a school teacher. Uh, an auto uh, worker or a pastor or whatever, they're all spiritually equal in God's sight now. And, um, the gospel sets us free now to actually love our neighbor in all of those various ways. I think in ways that if I'm consistently trying to buy God's love, I'm not set free. I'm using all I'm using my good works and other people for my own self improvement program instead of just giving away, um, everything that I am uh, to other people because I've, I've been set free in Christ to do those things. So I think a proper understanding of salvation will play itself out in how you view your work, how you view your callings, whether that be in the employment place that you make your money, whether it be in your calling in your family, uh, whether you're a father or mother, son, child, daughter whatever and also in your calling in the state as a citizen and in your calling in the church as a church member as a christian
3: Um, it'll play it out in all those ways i think so tim were you asking specifically about like the vocation of occupation because spencer just mentioned like you're a parent you're also you were talking about like yeah i meant
0: like uh the normal guy or gal who has a job let's say for the road commission Around here, mm-hmm. and so every day they get up at five thirty in the morning or whatever and they head to get to work at six o'clock or six thirty and what they're gonna do that day is patch holes in the road or yeah. they're gonna you know do what road commission work does and mm-hmm. I the average person probably is like, well, I make money, you know yeah. it helps me to eat it yeah. helps me to live my life and that's what the, how the normal person probably mm-hmm. would go about that job maybe maybe even goes deeper than that they yeah. say i'm helping out my fellow by trying to make mm-hmm. the roads better yeah <laughs> we need a lot of those people here. yeah yeah whatever <laughs> it might be <laughs> yeah. and so just then how does the christian mindset change mm-hmm. So, why I, that person yeah does that you know does the job christian person does that job i mean
3: i this might not be where you're going with this but i think there's you know what spencer was talking about it's it's helpful to know, like, be, you know, <clears throat> as a believer, it's like you, there's great purpose in what you do, whether it's spiritual or not, if it's at the road commission or whatnot. And that's one side of it. But I, I'm thinking more in terms of the person who puts all of their value and purpose in life into their job. Yeah. And who yeah. they are. Right. And I yeah. kind of see that as the, the other side mm-hmm. of that, you know, <clears throat> there might be people who are struggling to find purpose in what they're doing, and that's one, but there's people who are putting way too much purpose in what they're doing, and they make their job everything about their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They make it their hope. They're they're pursuing it to build an earthly kingdom, so to speak, mm-hmm. for themselves, yeah. to amass wealth and to bring their families good, enjoyable mm-hmm. lives. And mm-hmm. But I think having that yeah. Christian mindset of salvation, which is honestly focusing on what is to come and eternity and the coming salvation of in the day of judgment uh where we will be uh finally well it, it's already not yet we've talked about that already but mm-hmm. we're looking forward to that day when you know when we don't have to worry uh anymore when everything will be made new and when you're thinking about that and that aspect of salvation it's almost like the things of this world don't really matter too much. It's like, I don't care what I do for a job. You know, I I have to work. I, I get to enjoy it while I do it because I'm doing it with a Christian mindset. But it's not at that level of importance anymore <clears throat> where I'm worried about making the wrong choice, going into the wrong career field, not mm-hmm. making enough money, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. I'm not worried about those things anymore. You know, I'm content with what I have because mm-hmm. – my job's not my purpose in life. Well, it's it's not your
1: identity. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah. what i saying. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, and I think that's where we say your identity, ultimately, my identity is not as a father. Uh-huh. My identity is not as, you know, even as a pastor. That can be a danger for people in pastoral ministry is yeah. find their identity in that. My identity Absolutely. is in Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. I'm in him. I'm no longer in Adam. And therefore, because of our union with Jesus Christ, whenever whenever you go and work for the road commission Jesus is working through you at the road commission because the problem part of the problem is is in our mindset we have to get we have to get back together to the reality that that i can't think about my myself in, i'm i'm inseparable from him he's inseparable from me now so he's at work we sang that song yesterday it's not i but Christ in me and without getting um, too spooky or whatever but because of your union with Jesus Christ Christ is active through you to take care of the roads. Mm-hmm. And and for if people could grasp that, I think, yeah. I think the idea of vocation as well frees us up because it's not so much about what I'm doing. It's about what God is doing through me. Mm-hmm. And whenever I shift my mindset to that, well, then I find myself being actually much more excited mm-hmm. about being a part of what God's doing rather than right. what I'm doing myself.
2: Yeah. And, and Paul really puts it very clear in the sense when he said, whatever you do. Whether you eat or you drink, yeah. do it all for God's glory. And I think there's a danger in our culture because there is this, you know, status, you know, there is these levels, oh, this person's an attorney, this person's a doctor, and there is this kind of acclimates like, oh, they've really, you know, and, and yet in God's economy, whatever you do. Right if you're a slave cuz Paul's writing and you know in the Gre- Roman Greco world there are slaves obviously whatever you do you do it for God's glory and that brings us back to the garden mm-hmm. before the sin before you know the fall of man mm-hmm. where god was given given to adam this task of naming the animals and tending to the garden And it was good
1: mm-hmm. and, and, so, and, and and what does paul do by yeah. the way he it's cool the slave is not his identity is not mm-hmm. as a slave anymore yeah. he's a freedman in the lord yes the master is his identity is not as a master, but as a slave of Christ. Yeah. And so your identity is always in Christ, or if you're not in Christ, you're still in Adam. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And so those listening are probably asking, how did we get here? Why are we talking about this when it's helmet of salvation? But this is the point of right. why, <clears throat> this is making the point, I think, of what I was trying to say, is our salvation is not a salvation of a wish and a prayer, so to speak, you know, of a... Of a, of a hope in terms of hope today of like i hope it happens no we can know of our salvation know who our salvation is found in in christ we can know christ and we have his word and like i said before it impacts then all of our life even down to when we can start talking for 15 minutes about your occupation and how salvation, your salvation in Christ, affects that and impacts that, right? We could talk about it as a parent. We could talk about it as a friend. We can talk about it in so many realms and lights. And it's just important for us. That's why this is, again, why is it so important for us to know these things, because it gives us security. And too many Christians today are running around very insecure. Mm-hmm. They're so worried, and they're frantic, and it's like you don't have to be this way if you know God's word better and know him more and what he's done it will help you in this in this walk. Mm-hmm. Did you have something
1: to no, say? I think one of the things you, you did in Acts and, and I think one of the things that happens I think about is that um, we are so um, I don't know how to phrase this but we, I think we've got a, a false under in a sense a, a different understanding of what the gospel we, that we've talked about, obviously the gospel is salvation is because automatically what we typically do today is when we hear the word salvation or Jesus we make it very personal at the very beginning mm. that is not the way the go- the writers the go- the apostles preached the gospel mm. they preached the gospel as this historical event happened This man you saw, you crucified, you put him on the cross, he rose again from the grave, he has ascended. These are all historical facts. He is the judge who's going to come back at the end. And also, Paul puts it all in a very big cosmic perspective. Mm -hmm. Even the beginning of Ephesians, he anchors it in eternity past. Mm -hmm. And only after building that huge superstructure does he then come and say, and you heard the gospel of your salvation. See, he starts from the big what God, what is true, and then goes and says, now here's the implication for you. Mm -hmm. We often start with the implications, and we don't even know if we get to the superstructure. And maybe part of our lack of assurance is, as well as, we haven't focused on the big facts of what, you know, it's like salvation. For Paul, putting on the helmet of salvation, well, salvation isn't like some inner experience experience. That's what our typical first response is, is it's an inner experience to where I feel saved. Well, no, you can be saved, but not feel saved. Mm -hmm. Salvation is what was done in the cross and the resurrection and the ascension, and will be wrapped up at the last day. So I think by drawing us outside of ourselves and all of these pieces of armor, are, are focusing us outside at what has been done. I think it causes for us today as American Christians in our current situation, I think to refocus the way that we read these passages, because we read these passages in a very subjective mm-hmm. and therapeutic sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the way, I don't think that's the way the, I mean, you think about um, whenever the Israelites were, were celebrating Passover, they weren't celebrating the feeling of being saved. They were celebrating the fact that well, when God went through Egypt, He killed all the firstborn. And he brought his people out through the Red Sea. Those were historical events that happened, and that was the birth of the nation. Similarly, we celebrate real things that we know are our salvation. And he is our salvation and he lives and our hope is in him. Mm-hmm. And we we'll we'll go I, I I often feel like a tossing wave. Mm-hmm. I often feel like and and um you know, you read the, the the Psalms and how often is David just on his knees just saying, I feel like my life is out of control. Mm-hmm. I'm a sinner or people are attacking me or whatever, but he always comes back to the rock. And mm-hmm. and I just think that maybe we flipped things upside down a little bit. Not that the personal is not important, but when we read passages like this or read the gospel accounts in general, we need to reorient back to the objective truths yeah. um, with Personal implications rather than personal truths that might have some real implications for our lives. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's just what comes yeah. to my mind.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Good. I was just going to say, I, I don't know if we were going to actually get to Acts uh, that we looked at uh, in the sermon on Sunday, but I mean, one of the ways I think that you see this knowledge that Peter and John have of their salvation and when they proclaim that there is salvation in no other name. You know, they say that, and the council that they're before doesn't like that, you know, and they get in trouble. And it says in verse 18, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Right, and so they're told to stop, but... In this amazing kind of boldness against, I mean, these are the same people who crucified Christ,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, not long before, right? And they they're, they probably knew, like, there's a chance they might kill us right now. Mm-hmm. And a little bit later, it started happening. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but where did that kind of boldness come from, where they were able to say that and do that in that the face of that kind of opposition? I think it has to do with their... Knowledge of salvation of what they had mm-hmm. and that it couldn't be taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I mean you see that the effect of that knowledge of salvation mm-hmm. playing out in that moment right mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even the gospels say that like, like
0: while the disciples were with Jesus, they just didn't understand. But after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, all of a sudden they remembered the things mm-hmm. that he had told them, and now all of a sudden it's kicking in. Right now, all yeah. of a sudden it's making sense. And yeah, like you just read, we see it come out in this. This crazy amount of boldness and a little bit later in acts when they're in the upper room and they uh they're praying it says the people are there together praying it's interesting that they're praying for boldness i mean that's what they're asking god for is mm-hmm. please give us boldness because they're facing such scrutiny but it's obvious that god is working through them because i mean at this point like it said five thousand men are saying we believe in this right mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot there. I encourage you guys to keep uh, studying it. Uh, that picture in Acts, Acts chapter 3, of that lame man I thought was a good picture. Um, that's why we shared it on Sunday. But just that lame beggar man who was about 40 years old, Scripture tells us, just his whole life being carried around, can't get anywhere on his own. And then Peter and John put their hand out and rise up to walk, and we see this glorious picture of, of salvation taking place. And again, it, but it's understanding and i'm sure there were people in the room yesterday when i'm talking about you're the lame man you can't do anything on your own mm-hmm. i have no doubt there's people looking at me saying you're not right i can do a lot of stuff on my own mm-hmm. and they think about like what you said they they have great purpose in life they feel and they're succeeding in the things that they're mm-hmm. attempting to do and they're putting their trust in that but we pray that god will open their eyes to see no you're you're the lame man you mm-hmm. You have no hope. These things you're doing are not achieving anything for you in terms of your salvation. Mm-hmm. Salvation is only found in the name of Jesus, of which Peter and John would go on to mm. fight their whole life for and mm. tell people for and, and even die. I mean, we know uh, Peter gets martyred. John, maybe, I don't know, they went off to an island right for a while, but...
1: Uh, and that's he's on the first season of Survivor. <laughs> I don't know, he made oh man, he. he li- <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's Jeff. He's actually John
3: reincarnated, right? He stays there. Sorry, sorry. I <laughs> went sideways. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think like this, this might even be more sideways. Okay. You know, the thing I. The illustration that came to my mind to explain that of people who like yeah you, that think that they have it together mm. i'm not the lame man mm-hmm. the, the the humans in the movie wally y'all seen wally yeah. yeah 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 but like the ago. the humans in the movie wally have like changed over time since they've been in space right that's the theme behind it and like it's all those changes are to make their lives better right Mm -hmm. to have everything done for them Mm -hmm. they're you know in these chairs that hover around they don't have to walk anymore everything is provided to them right there and it's like it's seen as this life of luxury but then it's actually comes out that all of those changes have have been bad for you Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. actually you're not living this life of luxury you're not where you think you are and just that that's the picture that came to my mind of uh Of just what it's like for somebody that thinks I do Mm. have it all together, Mm. I do have what I need. You're going to find out. No, you, no, you don't. When Jesus says, "I didn't come for the righteous," Mm -hmm. I didn't come for the people
1: that are whole. Yeah, exactly. So then, I mean, those who are well do not need a physician. Yeah, you can't have Jesus if you don't if you're not sick.
2: No, right.
1: I mean, that's just you don't think you're sick. yeah, Yeah. Well, I mean, that's yeah. He tells us that. So, I mean. I mean, I, and obviously, I think people, when they're pressed, they realize they haven't kept the law mm-hmm. like they thought they had. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, that's just a stern reminder to us as well.
3: So go home, watch the movie Wally. <laughs> I have a bootleg copy I bought <laughs> in the Philippines. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's on two separate
0: DVDs. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! Uh, it doesn't even work in modern uh, DVD players funny. anymore.
3: That's I don't funny. think. Is it of like people walking around with cardboard? Cardboard cutout. I don't know, like like I don't know movie if I've on. ever
0: watched it. Actually, yeah. as you're describing it, none of that's coming back into my head. So maybe I've never actually sat and watched it. I really like the movie Wally. I, we can tell. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it spoke I'm the sorry. gospel.
3: It spoke the gospel. Yeah, you know what, I mean? <laughs> you can use all kinds of avenues to introduce the gospel. That's people. Right. That's right. Yeah. Wally. Oh, Eva. <laughs>
0: I don't remember that either. <laughs> I thought you were going to say E.T. phone home for a minute. No, I'm in a different generation. Okay, uh, yeah, you are. That's yeah. a classic. That's yeah. a classic. Right
3: there.
0: <laughs> well, as we talk, it just reminds me of how when we stand and preach and teach, there is an array of people listening. And it's amazing to think how God will work as his word is taught and preached and how the Holy Spirit will move and work in people's lives differently. Because like you guys said, there were people listening, Who definitely think, I have great purpose in this life, right? And they believe, you know, if I have to leave work, we probably should just turn the lights off and shut the door because it ain't going to survive without me. I'm just that important and valuable. But on the flip side, there's people here who feel they have zero worth at all. Mm -hmm. It's not hard to convince them of their sin. Mm -hmm. They feel absolutely worthless, but their struggle is, and I think I'm even worthless to God. I think he doesn't love me. There's no way. There's no way he loves me. Nobody can love me. And we just pray that God will use his word to impact everybody, to see that both of those are fallacies. Both of those are wrong. Both of those are some of those flaming darts that Satan throws at people and binds them. And it's sad because as I said yesterday yesterday, during the sermon, one of Satan's best tactics is to help good people realize that I'm doing this on my own and there's so many good people going to hell. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a great tactic that Satan has, and it's worked for a very long time. And on the flip side, he has another great tactic of letting people think, you are worthless even to God. Mm -hmm. And that's how they live their life, and that's how then they enter eternity.
1: And actually both of those are manifestations of pride.
0: Yes, absolutely.
2: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. The flip two sides of the same Mm -hmm. Mm coin. They
1: really are. But what
0: God has done now for a very long time is he's opened both sides of those groups, their eyes to the truth. And people have come from both sides and have been saved. And I'm sure sitting around this table, we probably would represent both sides before we were saved. And God does that and he works in our life and he provides that for us uh, through Christ. When we see him and we know him and we understand and his grace reaches out to us and that gift of faith to believe and to trust and then to know him more. And I think that's what Paul's talking about here. He's encouraging Christians. He's talking to 100% Spirit-filled Christians. He's already said that in Ephesians. You're overflowing with the Spirit, he would say. And he's still encouraging them to take up the armor. Remember your salvation. Remember what that means. Wear that on your head. Don't let Satan tell you anything else. Know who you are. Know this word. Know it better and better and better and better so you can fight better and better and better against these temptations and these sins. And that's the same encouragement we still have today. And so hopefully that's what we're seeing as we study the armor of God. Well, like we said, we'll finish uh, verse 17 of Ephesians 6 uh, this week. Hopefully you'll be able to to be here, maybe do a little bit of studying on your own on the sword uh, that we have been given Uh, There it says, in the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so look forward to preaching that. Hopefully you will be here this Sunday, Lord willing. I hope to be as well, uh, Lord willing. Uh, But if we don't see you this week, uh, the rest of this week before Sunday, we hope that you have a, a blessed week. Thank you for listening. God bless.